Alaska's newsmakers. Action Line, K-I-N-Y. Action Line of the Year. I am your host, Jordan Lewis. Joining me in the studio today, I have, in his assembly member capacity, assembly member Wade Bryson. Wade, how you doing? I am so excited to be the first action line of the year. I didn't realize that. I guess I should have. Yeah, I was going to say, well, I wasn't here a lot much last week, which I revealed this morning was because I was sick. So I, was I missed doing, you. I was doing stuff in the morning, and <laughs> then I would go home, because when you dissociate your desk for 20 minutes, you realize, yeah, maybe I should go home. <laughs> I heard your voice on the radio, and then I was like, oh, good, Jordan's back. And then I would show up, and you would be gone again. Yes. I would, that's not what we're chatting about today. No, that's not, because what we're talking about today is there's two major assembly meetings happening tonight, of which you are in both of them, because we have the Human Resources Committee as well as the regular assembly meeting. So let's start with the Human Resources Committee, because that yes. one does happen earlier. And the big one that we noticed, or that I noticed on here, is relates to uh, restaurant licenses. Restaurant eating, uh, stab- or liquor, li- beer and wine license for restaurants so that you can have serve beer and wine if you're a food establishment. We were at max capacity, and I think Juno might have even been one or two over our technical capacity. And the AMCO uh, board that's over alcohol and marijuana for the state uh, changed the rules so that you could have more eating establishments. And they used a, a population criteria, but then they also used a cruise industry or visitor uh, matrix to determine how many you could have. Uh, Juno, I think, has asked for 10. So we saw in the, the resolution. Uh, deciding to request, uh, it looks like amending lines 10, 45, and 59 in the actual draft resolution itself. Well, we're asking for 10 more licenses is what I think the resolution. That was the request I thought we had to the city attorney. But what that does is that means that right now nobody could be planning on opening a restaurant in Juneau because a real good sit-down restaurant is going to require at least beer and wine. And so that's why we weren't seeing more restaurants open up. Um, Now, uh, with this resolution, probably a few more steps uh, to go through AMCO, but then there will be 10 available beer and wine licenses for eating establishments. And I I did kind of explain that it's going to take time. If there's zero available right now, nobody's writing a business plan to do a restaurant with additional beer and wine license. So now that these are available... Um, I imagine in the next year or two, we will start to hear about the restaurants that are going to open up and take advantage of these additional beer and wine licenses. So yay for Juno restaurants. Okay. And so I imagine, I mean, obviously, if you're going to try to expand that, you need to also make sure there's available space for those restaurants. You can't just have the licenses because then... That only solves one. It issue. would have to go with. Uh, you'd have to have a location, a lease. Um, they're not just going to give you a beer and wine license and be like, "Hope you get a restaurant." No, you're going to have to go through um, the process of uh, developing a restaurant um, and complying with uh, all those rules. But the good news is, we're not limited anymore, and we could allow for even if we just got two or three more. I think it'd be a great addition. Okay. Now, that was really the big one I had with the Human Resources Committee, because everything else I can see in the agenda for that is a lot of you know, moving people around on committees and boards. I do want to say two things. We have the Systemic Racism Review Committee, um, which is a great committee started up uh, during the Black Lives Matter movement, and it was Juno's response to how do we want to answer 
society's question this way. And one of the neat facts I found about SRRC is that we're the only city in the country that has a systemic racism review committee. They haven't been able to find another one. Hmm. And then uh, Board of Equalization, I always encourage folks um, to volunteer or to sign up for the Board of Equalization. That's the group that hears the appeals for property tax valuations. Okay. I was going to ask you what the Board of Equalization was. Because as a name on its own, it's a little bit vague, I think, for your average person to kind of see sure. that and be like, what does that mean, though? Um, well, when there's an appeal... The Board of Equalization hears that appeal, and I think they get paid per meeting. Um, it's a board of three. They do the hearing. You receive training on how to accurately uh, uh, do these quasi-judicial uh, rules and services. So um, I do recommend if you're thinking that there needs to be a fair way for property assessments, then sign up to be on the BOE, Board of Equalization. Gotcha. Now, there's a couple of things I want to hit in the regular assembly. Let's do it. Yeah, there's some fun stuff. Which we're probably going to go into the second half with that as well. Because the first big one I see here is uh, there's an ordinance to appropriate about 900000 for a loan to develop more housing. Uh, And then I think there's a Uh, 202.25 million, yes. Uh, And that is also a loan. So literally over $3 million of... uh, affordable housing fund is being given to private developers at a low interest rate so that they can address, um, I want to say one of them's only efficiencies in one bedrooms. And that is huge. There's such a high demand for it. Um, That's what I was, uh, these are, I think are great examples of people that were like, God, what are you doing? Why are you giving all these incentives to people? And my answer back was, don't complain about what we're doing for everybody else. Tell us what you need. Those two organizations told us what they need, and here we are with an ordinance providing it so they can go build the workforce housing that we've asked for. It's the best example of the system, like, work in the process. Gotcha, and it's the $2.25 million that's doing the, the one-bedrooms and the efficiencies. And the efficiencies, yeah. Okay. And so I think what will be interesting to see there is kind of the locations that those groups are kind of scoping out for that. Because that's always kind of another big question when it comes to housing within Juno's. Where are you going to put it? Wherever they can shoehorn it in. And I know that people don't like that answer. And uh, we've definitely heard from uh, Gasno Avenue is probably a good example of how dare you put an apartment here? We can barely park as it is. Well, there's no parking requirement. And so the idea is that we're um, hopefully putting the right housing in the right location um, for the transportation needs. If we were building something way out the road or maybe deep, deep in the valley um, off of, uh, well, no, because the bus goes all the way down back loop. But what I'm getting at is what if, say, out the road where you didn't have bus service and you were building an apartment building. Well, you would need to have an appropriate size uh, parking lot. I mean, that would make sense because you you don't have all of the f- facilities right there. But building a, an apartment complex without parking requirements in the heart of downtown, it's you're just not going to have as uh, high a, a need for the cars. And so that will actually uh, be integrated into the people's lifestyle. If you live out the road, you're probably going to have a car to drive into town. If you live in the center of town, you might not have a car. Uh, because we've designed it around like a 15-minute city. And so we do see that, and that is one of the answers. But then an apartment building out the road would also be one of the answers. 
what we discovered is that if you're facing a housing crisis, all housing is the answer. And so you don't focus. You don't have to focus on just one kind of housing. If you're developing housing in your community, you're d- moving in the right direction to combat the housing crisis. Gotcha. I think you bring up a, b- a good point there when it comes. To, you know, say you are building that apartment complex in a downtown area. Well, you think about how many people work in downtown. Well, if you work in downtown and you live in downtown, then realistically, that's a great apartment to go try and rent. Yeah, you wouldn't need that sort of parking availability. Which is, I think, that's kind of the idea behind some of those larger city infrastructure kind of designs. But it's like, yeah, if you all live in the same space. You're not going to need it. You can go take public transit, but then that's its own that's its own realm of things. Public well, transit. and I've got the the opposite. If you happen to have a job where you have a thirty five hundred dually with a plow on it, you're probably not going to go look for an apartment that doesn't have parking. You're going to need a designated space for that. So that's going to impact where you look for an apartment. I don't think anybody's going to go rent on Gasno Avenue and be like, wait a second, where's my reserved 35-foot parking space so I can get my truck in and out? That's, a, that's just not how it works. Gotcha. Now on that, we are going to move into our break. When we come back, we'll talk a bit more about that housing as well as a couple other things in that main assembly meeting agenda. You are listening to Action Line on KINY. And welcome back to Action Line on KNY. Joining me still, I have Assemblymember Wade Bryson. Now, along with some of the, the housing that was included in this meeting tonight, which I think is quite good to see, we also have uh, some maintenance costs for JPD, which is uh, building maintenance specifically. Uh, yes, they are working on uh, the JPD building. I think it's time for it just hit its 25-year uh lifespan or mark and so it it is time for the the roof to be replaced on that um i thought that the police officer raise that is in there um we're trying to make the police officers uh more competitive did i get the wrong agenda i thought that was on tonight's oh it is not not Uh, personnel rules if you look at the one of the last things i think it's under personnel rules um with the state troopers and uh, some of the other municipalities were significantly higher uh, pay rates for JPD. And even with all of the items that we've, all the actions that we've taken to uh, make police pay competitive, we're still behind the eight ball and we still have not been able to hire those officers. In fact, we were down to like a 16 vacancy rate or 17. And so another round of raises was is being included for them. Gotcha. And I will double check that vacancy rate uh, with the de- with the deputy chief when he comes in this month. Excellent. So speak, another big one I see here is uh, work on a fence for the harbors in downtown. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, um, man, I got uh, pulled away from the last assembly meeting when this topic was up. And it's a fence on the dock that is my understanding is that it's being required of us. Like we're supposed to put it up. We only have these, I think they call them dolphins. And there have been a couple incidences where uh, uh, people have been injured. And I think one person actually died from falling in and not having those protected. And so uh, putting a aesthetically acceptable uh, fence for that, uh, uh, for the boardwalk um, is just the net, the natural step for community safety. Uh, there were a couple of people that had some sentiment that it was so nice to not have them there, but if it's a health and safety thing, you kind of got to err on the, on the side of health and safety. And so I have a feeling that this conversation, uh, might uh, take place again tonight. It was up for reconsideration. 
Um, it only had four votes last time. It needs the five. And so we'll see. Uh, Docks and Harbors have definitely talked about it at length because it's expensive. It has to look right. But uh, it would match the existing fencing that got put up when they did the last deck over project when they filled in and they made the boardwalk a little bit larger. They started putting that fence on. This was supposed to be phase two. Gotcha. Now, I saw this and I knew I was going to have to bring it up, which is, I uh, see there is also an ordinance authorizing an alternative procurement method related to the Eagle Crest Pulse Gondola Project. You know what? That's actually a really good thing. We don't do it all the time, but when you're having a build that is not a traditional go build me a building, here's the price that you're going to charge me, and something that you have to be flexible as you're getting it developed because... Oh, we just oh we look we didn't this is bedrock here we don't need half the concrete or oh we were able to salvage this component so we didn't need to redo it. Um, when you have an alternative procurement, it means that the general contractor and the city engineer are in constant communication and they're making those common sense decisions along the way, um, and it's to the benefit of the community. Um, I did go see. I think it was Thursday, I went and did a, a field trip at the pool. And because we allowed the contractor and the city engineer to communicate, they were able to do things like save the artwork from the tiles that were in the bathroom and incorporate that into the lobby. And so it gives a little bit more flexibility to the, the contractor so that they can stay within the price range, but also use common sense as they're developing something complicated like a gondola going up the side of a mountain. Okay. And then sort of my last, uh, I don't know if you were able to be in the, uh, were you in the finance meeting for the gondola project that was happening? I believe it was uh, last week or the week before. Yes. Um, I know that uh, the gondola is not everyone's favorite project. I understood that. Um, especially people that weren't uh, as favorable towards the Eagle Crest. Everybody that is a hardcore skier or an Eagle Crest advocate, they're absolutely for the gondola. The rest of the community is like, hey, what is what are we doing here? Um, what's a good way to describe it? We could beat a dead horse. You know, like people have, I think that's some of the attitude, be like, well, can't we stop this? No, we own the gondola. We're in the middle of installation. This train has already left the station. We're building a gondola. And so when, uh, I've received a few calls where people are like, how do we stop this is essentially what they're, or why is it going to be like this? Or somebody even sent us an email that said, where's your pro formas? And I'm like, well, when we talked about this two years ago, that's when the pro formas were shown. Not, not while we're in the middle of development. That's not when you're focusing on uh, pro formas. So I know that it wasn't everybody's favorite, but we passed it. The train left the station, and it is almost at its destination. We're not going to call the train back to the original station. I hate to use that metaphor, but I think that's a good analogy is what's happened here. Because hmm. my question for you was just what was the economic outlook? Like, what was the return we could see from the gondola if you were in that meeting was my question. Eagle Crest gets to stay open. That was the reason that the gondola was able to pass. Without the gondola... They were trying to figure out how do we keep Eagle Crest 
open and sustainable because like this is a great example instead of having the 80 days of operations they're going to be closer to 70 days of operations and when you and then next year or in the future years if it keeps going down to less days of operational sales eventually you're not going to have a ski resort and this ski resort is too important for the community so the economic output or the outlook is if we didn't have some investment in Eagle Crest, we would lose a major asset to the city that is a, a recreational activity for a large percentage of the community. It's the most utilized parks and rec facility that we have. Okay. Now, the next one I had a question for you about, which was just mainly because it's, I think, the first time I've noticed this in any of the assembly meeting sort of agendas, is the deappropriating of funds from the manager for child care programs. It means that we got some other money from the state, so we didn't have to use CBJ money, and we were able to use that. And I think it's going into future child care needs. Uh, from what I can see, it's going into the FY twenty twenty five budget at a is a one time increment for child care programs and grants. Yeah, so the state gave us some money, and so instead of uh, letting it lapse there, we just appropriated into the right year, and it'll make the city manager's uh, budget a little bit easier to write, especially when it comes to child care, because there'll be an extra nine hundred thousand dollars there. Okay, and I see that personnel rules you were talking about. Looks like it was a looks to be five percent, six percent, six percent. Okay, I knew it was somewhere in there. Uh, raise for the police department, which put them in a more competitive place, which will then hopefully address the uh, police officer shortage. And as I've been flipping through the agenda, I noticed a third ordinance that was also more funding for uh, affordable housing. That one was about $1.6 million to the manager for affordable housing fund provided by the general funds. Yes, uh, we do know that we need uh, some more money in the affordable housing fund. It's the number one tool that we have right now to address the housing crisis. And so we wanted to make sure that it was adequately funded. So when things come along like a, a major project that has one bedroom inefficiencies, we can facilitate or assist that developer to get it done for the community. Gotcha. Now, we don't have a lot of time, so I have one last question for you before we wrap up, which was, as I'm sure folks know, you had your birthday fundraiser on Saturday. My 50th birthday party, yes. And how, how did that fundraising go? It was phenomenal. I could not have imagined that it would have gone as well as it did. Um, we estimated that there was uh, probably around 400 people that stopped by throughout the whole evening. Um a ton of food, literally one ton of food for the glory hall, thousand pounds. Uh, and I don't have all the dollar figures yet, uh, but I raised thousands of dollars for some local nonprofits aware, uh, Juno animal rescue, perseverance theater and the glory hall. So, Oh, and Siegla, everybody was drinking beer for Siegla. Uh, my family was there. Uh, my mom and dad and one of my brothers came into town. My uh, two of my kids that aren't in the state right now came in. I got to be on stage with my wife and my five children and got to thank and acknowledge everybody. And my parents were there to see it. So it was just a spectacular moment in my life. And I'm so glad that I got to share it with everybody. Um, and then we talk about it on the radio. It's just a wonderful, wonderful experience. But I'm a little spent. I think that was the, the after effects. 
That is understandable. Well, that will wrap up Action Line for today. Wade, thanks for coming on. I'll let you come over here, take over we'll the swap chair. seats, yeah. All right. You've all been listening to Action Line on KINY. Action Line. Weekday mornings. Action Line. If it happens in Southeast, you'll hear it on Action Line. KINY.